welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change with your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, March 29th. Today is National Nevada Day. National Mom and Pop Business Owners Day. So make sure you go out and support some small businesses. National Lemon Chiffon Cake Day. So we know what Gretchen is making for dessert. And, of course, it's National PETA Day. Not for the animals, but for the PETA that we love to eat with the homos. It's also Manatee Appreciation Day, National Little Red Wagon Day, and for all of our veterans out there, it is National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. If you are joining us clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand. If you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented, you can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top hand portion of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And with all of that said, we are going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lameet, who has been out trenching the storm, moving boxes across town from city to city. That's right. And we're not talking about the types of boxes that people are talking about in cannabis. We're talking about furniture boxes and blanket <laughs> boxes and frozen Elsa dolls boxes. That's right. It's the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. Uh, thank you, Jason. And um, stay warm and dry out there, everybody. It's crazy out there on the streets. And uh, here in Los Angeles, we got more and more rain. But uh, my story today is coming out of Nor uh, Nevada. <clears throat> it's Planet 13 sees opportunity in competitors' distress. So it's no, uh, it's no secret many, in uh, many cannabis retailers nationwide are currently struggling. The cost of operation is up. Cost of product is down. It's tough to find banking. Regulations don't make sense. There's no shortage of hurdles in the way for mom and pop shops on the path to federal legalization right now. It's led to lots of folks going out of business or being forced to sell their stakes for pennies on the dollar. Uh, on the other hand, large players have been quietly benefiting from mergers and acquisitions. Uh, they've been waiting for this opportunity to come around and it's part of the economic cycle, the darker side of capitalism, most choose not to think about, and it makes sense. We haven't had a true bear market in the industry before now. And while many well-funded MSOs fight back against the stigma, they're uh, that they are the industry's bad guys. 
um, who've used dollar bills as their guaranteed ticket to the next level of this shit, at least one is embracing that image. Nevada-based retailer Planet 13's leadership discussed strategy for 2023 on their last earnings call. And per Green Market's report, uh, Green Market reports John Schroyer, they believe many retailers are on life support and ripe for the picking. And um, this is what co-CEOs Bob Grosbeck and Larry Scheffler had uh, to say on that call. Here's what Grosbeck said. We've got a lot of stores that are struggling. We think that that's going to create some opportunities for us here in the near term. Uh, there are some, some that are on life support, a number of them. The problem is they keep getting granted licenses. So we've got a number of dispensaries that continue to prop up and they've got no market share. So there will be no shortage of opportunities here as we go into the fall. Larry chipped in with this. The other big benefit for us is getting rid of all that competition. We'll pick up the comp we'll pick up the customers that are left. We divide them in their customer bases between the ones that survive on this downturn. For the article, Planet 13's got $52 million in cash and a decent runway forward, putting them in a good position for 2023, regardless of anyone else. Uh, so it ain't a bad bet that they're making it at all. Personally, I'm a fan of the bluntness of their candor. And um, I hate folks that try to hide behind empty words and promises just to please everybody's time. Uh, but I'm interested in hearing everybody else's thoughts on this. Should Planet 13's brass be a little bit more empathetic about the rest of the industry struggles or no? Enrico Lamit, dopest dad on the street for uh, four Hyatt Nine News. What you got on this one, Jason? What you think? I'm with you, Rico. I love the bluntness. He wants to eat people up for lunch, and I'm I'm here to watch it. Uh, <laughs> you're, if you've got words. cash right now, you you can pick up a lot of businesses. I describe it to my clients like being a vulture on the edge of a cliff watching mm -hmm. bleed out. It's mm -hmm. a different description for some people in the industry to understand. This is business, and you don't get there um, by not having a business savvy. And people have run these businesses off the cliff for a whole host of reasons. Right. And if you run it into the ground and you can't pay your bills, um, you don't get bankrupt, you know, receivership, you're kind of boxed into a corner. You can't dump these assets. Then, uh, you know, everybody's going to lose. So yeah, the opportunities are ripe. You can call it what you want, but business is business. And it ain't always there to give charity to people who fuck up a business and run off a cliff. Yep. Go woke, go broke. Sad but true. Mm -hmm. It's what it is, man. I think it, I think this industry's been set up to uh, to fuck the little guy, and and I think it was known that we'd get to this point where people are going to start falling off, and there's a great opportunities going to be there. It's kind of the Donald Trump way, and Jason to to come in there and start buying the shit up for pennies. I mean. I mean, I don't think it's definitely a way. It's definitely a way, Stone Slave. But what I will say. In regard in, in regards to in re regards to all of that is that if you don't want to be the little guy, make sure that you eat your Wheaties in the morning and bulk up, and then you could be the one doing the fucking instead of the one getting fucked. Yeah, I, I don't know what that was, but uh, clip that, yeah. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> the the whole thing seems ridiculous to me. I understand that you know all. Tides rise, boats, blah, blah, blah. But this is business. I mean, come on. Yeah. If you are not following the rules, if you're not a good business person and you can't sustain, uh, you shouldn't be in this industry. 
Um, and it does. you don't have to be as big as Planet 13. Everyone thinks that they're going to take their dispensary and they're going to turn into the next True Leaf. They're going to turn into some huge conglomerate. And it's like, do what you're capable of. Run a good, successful business in your community and you will survive. You will get through to the hump. Uh, but when you try and go out for these crazy things that aren't possible uh, because you don't have the capital, you don't have the backing, you don't have the right uh, infrastructure to actually build this kind of stuff, uh, then that's on you. I mean, it, your your friends should not have to be propping you up. Your competitors certainly shouldn't be propping you up. Um, this is Gretchen. how business works. Gretchen, you do Gretchen, realize you... that today's Wednesday and today is hump day. So technically, yes. we'll be getting I, don't, I, don't down I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Do any of y'all think that they should have been more a little bit more empathetic with their words? No. 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 You want to hear all these so little floppy. sick of everyone yeah, who is so exactly sensitive. Right. Get yeah. over yourselves. Everyone is just choosing to identify as nipple tips all the time. Nipple tips, really? Yeah. What? They're all sensitive and shit. What? <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all identified. When I put my lawyer hat on, guys, and sure. I have some Jesus talk with my clients, mm -hmm. uh, there ain't nothing left. I mean, everyone's bleeding. There are so many knuckleheads out there who think they can run a business because they used to run dope up and down Interstate 5 here. And it's like, no, you got to be able to deal with people. You've got to be able to um, go out and negotiate contracts. You got to have people fund you. And when you run this off the cliff and it's like everybody says I run off the cliff. Yeah, you fucking idiot. You did because you never thought about how to run a business. OK, and they were sold a bill of goods that the, the government's going to help make this easy for you. That was such horse shit. No. And first of all, it's not the government's job to make it easy for you. Hold but on. If your expectation is someone's going to grease all the skids for you just because you are whatever you think you are, that ain't how business works. And I, I'm sorry to have to tell people because I'm empathetic. Fuck, I went to prison for this shit. I understand there's a big deal here. But if you're a knucklehead and keep pounding your head against the wall and think, why is my head hurt? Well, fuck, it's, you're an idiot. You don't learn from your mistakes. Mm. What am I supposed well, to do you have a question? Oh, Go for it. Go for yeah. it, Adelia. You know, let's. How is their how is their branch in Orange County doing? Because yes, this is a sound business move. It is strategic, but not all the time. Like the strategy of buying distressed assets may not always necessarily lead to business growth. You know, right. great business growth. So, how is their one in Orange County doing? Are they able to successfully manage these multiple businesses effectively? Like that would be kind of just my thought on that as they start to acquire more of these locations. Well, I would, um, yeah, a lot of the locations i mean they're sitting on like so much cash mm -hmm. my uh, my thought on that is that they probably have a lot of these locations like knowing that they're not going to make money in the in the short term but they're going to have enough cash when all these other businesses around them go under they're just going to buy the other ones in the same location in the same vicinity because uh, in the cannabis industry you know we have the green zones or whatever and you have this conglomeration of a ton of dispensaries and not many of them are going to survive and if you have a a license in that area why not just gobble up all of their customers and they're going to planet 13 now mm -hmm. uh, and i like what uh what, what justin said in here because i think this kind of speaks to your point adelia he says planet 13 loses money every day they have no chance 50 million ain't shit when your burn rate is as high as theirs what you think about that they're burning money like a tech company over there at planet 13. well they're making a bet that they can continue to go on the course they are right now without going off the cliff themselves. Yeah, and we'll see. Because in hindsight, a lot of the people I deal with, they had a great plan in their own mind. 
until all of a sudden money ran out. The black, the gray market out here, the trap shops, they're eating their lunch all day long. And until we get a, an answer to that, you're, you're, you know, you're playing, you're gambling with your own goddamn money here. Okay. Cause it ain't the house's money. Be careful what you do. Well, it might be the house's money if they got a PPE loan. <laughs> PPP? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's keep it let's keep it rocking here man so we got to go to a commercial we'll be right back all right let's do it how's it going guys saman razani coming to you from green street here with jason beck smoking on the best weed in the world did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on apple google amazon iHeartRadio, and spotify tune in now and check it out Oh, yeah. All right. There we he go. is the industry's longest continuously operating retailer, self-proclaimed highest Republican in the game, well-known for smoking on the best weed in the world. Also, a huge fan. What? It's just the truth. <laughs> the truth. Uh, the, the, the truth is subjective these days. The truth will set you free. But also, he's a huge fan of eating Wheaties to bulk up so you, too, can do the fucking and not get fucked. Y'all know who it is. Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Happy, happy Wednesday, everybody. It is hump day, as Gretchen previously pointed out. And today, my story comes out of Florida. It's kind of like a follow-up story, and this is an original piece, so make sure you go to highatnightnews.com and make sure you share this wonderful article with all of your friends, especially if you happen to be living in Florida. Because MSOs, Florida state government, and patients vie for control of the free market in Florida's hemp industry. As the 60... As the 60-day 2020-23 Florida legislative session approaches its midpoint, there is a battle raging on for the heart and soul of the existence of the medical hemp market. Florida, the third largest state in the union, has one of the largest medical cannabis industries in the country. There are over 770,000 registered patients out of 22 million residents in the state, but there are many patients who drop out each month unable to pay the recertification fees, as well as the high cost of products coming from the 19 active licenses of the 22 awarded. Many of the licenses went to applicants in 2015 who were not approved for, for a but got one anyway via the courts and the governor. The vast majority of those paper licenses were flipped and, and sold to the highest bidder, mostly multi-state operators, better known as MSOs. As a highly profitable closed market held down uh, to 22 licenses with unlimited locations by the uh, state government, the number of players stayed static, encouraged by the lobbying efforts of the current medical marijuana treatment centers, the MMTCs, including those that started in Florida and became MSOs. Overregulation by the state, the high price of getting and maintaining a medical card and a medical recommendation, and the high cost of the plants as medicine is a closed market resulted in the appearance of a separate medical cannabis market run by the entrepreneurs that were not millionaires, including a large number of minority businesses. There's an estimated 10,000 small businesses across Florida selling products containing CBD, CBN, CBG, and 
the new crop euphoric compounds derived from hemp made legal through the 2018 farm bill, including Delta 8 and Delta 10 and via the manipulation of the scant amounts of less than 3% of Delta 9 THC. That has been a boon for small entrepreneurs who were previously shut out of the new MMJ industry via financial and regulatory barriers. It has also been a godsend to patients who didn't or couldn't join the registry to purchase products from the MMTCs due to similar financial or regulatory issues or at the same time, too, their product is mostly boof. Some just didn't want to be on a registry that could be manipulated to create barriers for employment and health. And it also opened up the market to the 120 million tourists who had reciprocity to be able to purchase medical cannabis in the Sunshine State while on vacation. But some MMTCs uh, see the new market as competition the very thing they have been fighting against for years. But many are savvy regarding the standard operating procedures to manipulate the industry in Florida, manipulate the legislature. That's right. One of the best purveyors of this tactic and one that has been doing it the longest is True Leave, who has put in over $21 million in contributions to candidates and PACs in the last few years, along to political action committees, mostly those run by the current elected officials and to the campaigns of those of of those same politicians. The current commissioner of agriculture, Wilton Simpson, received one hundred thousand dollars for his run uh, for that office through his PAC jobs uh, for Floridians. That's twenty five thousand more than he got from TrueLeave when he was president of the Senate. So when a bill appeared this session whose main purpose was to regulate hemp products as food and increase regulations to prevent children's access to the products appeared, no one seemed to notice any problems with the bill language, although it seems strange that they were trying to fix a problem that wasn't really an issue. The hemp industry is already under the supervision of the Department of Agriculture, as it was written uh, in the rules approved by the FDA, and nearly every hemp business already had barriers in place against selling products to those under 21, although some lobbyists gave the legislators samples of, of packaging of Delta-8 products, such as Skittles and Nerd Ropes, that... Uh, were clearly out of compliance with Florida packaging standards and B weren't even produced or sold in Florida, but hidden in the language of the bill, new regulations written in such as THC limitations for no more than 0.5 milligrams per dose of wet weight and a maximum of five milligrams per package that alone would cause a major shift in the product sold. But the bill also had new regulations labeling these new cannabinoids as synthetic as long as they are created by any other means than straight extraction those other methods are uh, regularly practiced safely by highly competent florida manufacturers including the mmtc's who would be immune from this new law if it took effect it is estimated that it would remove 80 percent of the products on legitimate cbd dispensaries and smoke shops and cost the and cost the loss of millions in tax income <clears throat> to the state as well as thousands of jobs and businesses. MSOs like TrueLeaf have been taking a hit on the cannabis on the Canadian stock exchange over this last year. So these mega pay, mega payments to politicians are coming as capital from major stockholders like Vanguard, 
and the Rochester Group. Right now, even CEO Kim Rivers, representing the original owners, is only the ninth highest stockholder. The question now is whether the cost of business in their methodology of running an MSO politically uh, manipulator will pay off in a way that won't come to haunt them later. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all think? What were we talking about again? You're so stupid. <laughs> You're so stupid. You went on for so long. I know it's about Florida and hemp. What, what's the what's Florida and hemp? At? It's this new law. It's new law. Yeah. It's basically, um, it's extremely uh, uh, exclusive on the types of product allowance as far as how it has to be packaged. So, uh, 0.5 per dose. So, mo- basically, all uh, packaged goods would would already exceed this. So, therefore, they would all be deemed illicit if this was to pass. Um, secondly, they're also throwing some other language in there as far as um, goods have to be um, in final finished form in regards and have to be stored at certain temperatures and all these extra nuances that don't really pertain to these types of food products. Mm. They're going to catch up with this um, incrementally because it's, it's all started with the artificial line over what's hemp. And they said, oh, it's 0.3% THC. Until Mishulam identified THC, nobody knew what the fuck, you know, 0.3% THC oh. meant. You oh. smoke it, you don't get high, it's hemp. Now we've got all these other minor cannabinoids, and I've had clients who manufacture them from CBD, just like they do in the opioid industry. They take an opioid, they tear it apart chemically, and tag a hydrogen and oxygen and make it hydrocodone, oxycodone. All these things are going to be lumped together as a salt or an isomer at some point, and they're going to restrict it because it does at some point get you high. And that's where, oh, you can't be free to get high. We're going to try to wrap you up. And oh, the children, yeah. Mm-hmm. Horse shit keeps coming out of the mouth. If you got a kid using drugs, why is it the people uh, outside of your house's problem to control your children? I don't know where we... You know, go. I raised five of them. I wanted to smack the shit out of them a couple of times. They all smoked too much weed, and I had to go bail them out of jail. Shit like that. That's on the parent. You can't. <laughs> That's when you should able be able to beat your kids when they go to jail. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Knock yeah. sense into them. It was a tough ride home in the car with me. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? You know I. Um, in this, you know, it's 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 this is truly basically battling for market share because they don't want these these hemp shops to be open because they feel that it stifles business from people going to renew their medical cannabis cards and then going and ultimately probably shopping with a True Leave or one of the other MMTCs out there in Florida. Um, so, like, I'm I'm really torn on this uh, in in a lot of ways because um, True Leave is definitely playing dirty, but at the same time. A lot of these companies don't have the same type of regulations that we have to go through as plant touching cannabis businesses. And I think that they should be regulated in the same way. But um, I, think, I think it's interesting because it's, it's, it's Florida and there are no really like small. There are no like mom and pop shops in Florida. Right. There are so, mom and pop shops. They just happen to have been around for a long time. And they just happen to be broke, too. I love how you call it playing dirty. They're playing the game. Yeah, they have they, money and they're, they're doing they they're this. lobbying. What are you talking about? They're playing dirty. They're playing this dirty. is what we tell people to do all the time to get some money and get in the game. 
look, I'm here. I'm here speaking for the people. Okay, Gretchen. Oh, please. King of Mar-a-Lago is speaking for the people. I'm playing here in my vomitorium. Okay. Right. I'm one of the biggest representatives of the people. No, it's, yeah, it's, you only have like like a true leave is 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 claiming that their position is one of the people in, in in this sense because there's there's no competition. Public safety, public safety, because the products aren't being stored properly to prevent from. So, so nobody else has the, has the money or the stamina to even fight this. So it's pretty much going to be a shoe in, right? We'll see. It's all marketing. Other things with this article, they brought a point up where it says what there's many patients who are dropping out each month, unable to pay the recertification fees. So this is also a loss of access of how yeah. they are playing it. You know, does anybody know what the recertification fees are in um, in Florida? I think they're like a hundred some bucks. They're not more than two. Oh, they're not. Yeah. Okay. But That's just interesting. Yeah, I just found that very. I think it's like one hundred and seventy two dollars if I was to. Take, take a take a guess at it, but don't quote me on that. Um, with, with 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 THC uh, licenses going for whether they were on the uh, on the market last year for fifty million dollars, and Ron DeSantis trying to uh, make the uh, the renewal fee a hundred thousand dollars. There's already a separation of there's already going to be class warfare within uh, Florida's uh, industry, like whether they go legal like anytime soon or not. So I mean. I just I, if, if truly is saying something's going to happen, like, unfortunately, I, I think that's just going to what's going to happen. Like, nobody else is going to be able to compete with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we got to keep it moving. Oh, that was fun. Florida. We love you, Florida. For your state in America. Florida. Oh, yeah, that's right. Coming up next. That's right. It's the spicy redhead that loves to tell pot loving libs about the real world. Not only does she love to do that, but she also loves to dress up her dogs and torture them in funny little costumes that she knits while she's baking. That's right. It is the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own little Washington redhead. That's right. It's Gretchen Gailey. Little Washington redhead, huh? Uh, whatever yep. i'm just gonna ignore all that bullshit and uh continue on with the love affair with florida uh my story is coming from the business observer which is in florida cannabis industry gears up for potential gold rush uh so that'll be my main question to you all do you actually buy this uh two years from now florida might be among the rapidly growing number of states that allow adult non-medical use of cannabis As of March 3rd, more than 420,000 Floridians have signed a petition in support of the Florida Marijuana Legalization Initiative, which would appear on the 2024 general election ballot and allow voters to decide whether the state constitution should be amended to allow for full legalization of cannabis use and sales. Led by Smart and Safe Florida, a $30 million political action committee funded mostly by medical cannabis giant TrueLeave, Petitioners are more than halfway to their goal of 891,589 signatures, making it likely the fate of adult recreational cannabis use will be decided on November 5th, 2024. If challenged in court, the Florida Supreme Court could rule against it, of course, but proponents believe the ballot initiative is worded in such a way that it will pass muster legally. Other initiatives for recreational marijuana in 2019 and 2021 didn't make it to Election Day. I think if it gets on the ballot, it does pass, said Brady Cobb, CEO of Sunburn Cannabis, and son of the late Bill Cobb, one of Florida's most notorious marijuana smugglers. The polling has been relatively consistent in that in that respect. 
Getting it on the ballot has always been the stumbling block, but I think of all the amendments thus far, this one has the best chance to do it based on how it's drafted. Florida has had a successful medical cannabis program since 2017, at least based on usage and growth metrics. More than 800,000 Floridians have obtained a medical marijuana card, and the state has 2,540 qualified physicians and 546 approved medical marijuana treatment centers or dispensaries, as they're more commonly known according to data from the Florida Department of Health's Office of Medical Marijuana Use. The nascent industry has been a boon for Florida coffers, generating $73.8 million in tax review in 2020 alone, in addition to more than $50 million in license fees. Even without a non-medical program, Florida's cannabis industry is now the third largest in the nation, according to Leafly, a company that specializes in cannabis news and education. Many who work in the industry believe that given its already fast-growing population and popularity with tourists, it could easily be number one if the ballot initiative passes. I don't know where they're coming up with that. Uh, however, two years after approving non-medical adult use of cannabis, Illinois collected more tax revenue than alcohol, says John Sullivan, an attorney and executive vice president of government affairs at Cresco Labs, a Chicago-based company that owns and operates 27 dispensaries in Florida including five in the Tampa Bay region. We're seeing that in state after state, it's a boon for state economies. You look at job creation, Illinois is up to 30,000 jobs in cannabis right now. You'll see a huge amount of job growth, yada, 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 if it keeps going. Uh, New Frontier says revenue could reach 1.6 billion by 2025. Uh, do we believe, number one, that it will pass in 2024? And if it does, do you see Florida being the huge cannabis market that these folks are hoping for? Uh, we shall see. I, I, I do think it's going to pass, frankly, if it gets onto the ballot. Uh, although, remember, in Florida, to get this stuff passed, it does require a supermajority, so it needs at least 60% of the vote, not 50. Um, but I do think that there is quite the uh, uh, effort and money behind it from good old True Leave actually lobbying like you're supposed to. Uh, this is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. What do you think is the likelihood that it passes as far as like is able to get on the ballot? I know you think that it's going to pass if it's voted on. The last time it was voted on, it was like 59 percent. I think it's going to pass. It has to get over 60. I'm aware. Okay. So Just in the years that it failed, they have I guarantee you they're pushing to get this done. The big question is going to be about your new lover, Ron DeSantis, and how <laughs> that is going to go down with him. <clears throat> The man has already raised license fees and is causing a lot of totally issues fine. in Florida for cannabis. Totally, uh, so do you totally see him being a big old stumbling block? I'm totally huh? fine with yeah. him raising, raising the, the cost of license Oh, my. You're good with it. 100%. All right. So I, I, I think if this does pass, Florida is not going to have a friendly governor or perhaps a friendly president uh, on their side. We'll see. Because we ain't, oh, yeah. we know Trump ain't gonna get there. It's gonna be a boy. One hundred percent getting there. Anyway, <laughs> do you think Florida is going to be the largest market in the country, according no, to these no, jokers? No. no, New York is the largest, largest country. It'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting because all the old folks. And then you have Florida. You got the old people. The old people like it. I understand. They, they, they like they're loyal and, and, and they're not out there fucking buying packs of weed. Uh, they're loyal. They have. Uh, you do have all the heady boys money. out there. In they Florida, have more though. money. And, True, they uh, got money. And there's a there's a huge opportunity in Florida. I don't know if they'll be number one uh, overall, but um, 
They're yeah, going to be number I, three. I'm not going to say I don't know. I, I don't think they will be number one, but I think they're going to have a stranglehold on the um, older consumption market. Plus two, uh, one thing you do have to realize is that all of these producers all produce booth weed. So a lot of the people that really are like everyday smokers are still going to be supporting the trap and aren't going to be supporting uh, these businesses at the same time, too. But what happens when you have the, the, the folks that come from uh, um, uh, California failing and go over there? Didn't you say what? that's going to happen? What? The people, the cultivators that, that, that leave California because they're making money for over here, they go over there to Florida to make fucking money. They only go there if Florida they Florida is just stop. not a good place to grow weed. Uh, that's just... Indoor? True. I guess you can grow indoor, but the humidity in Florida sucks. Look at, uh, look at and does look not all help. Of this cultivation advice from our Washington insider. I'm just saying, I've been to a few places <laughs> down in Florida, and while I may... You should see my garden, Jason. It is lovely and thriving. Adelia, oh, I would love to hear your opinion. You were saying something before <laughs> yes. you so rudely interrupted. <laughs> Thank you, Gretchen. I was just going to say, look at the audience, though. With that older generation, are they really going to notice the difference unless they're fully educated on what they're getting when it comes to the cannabis, like the, the quality of the cannabis there? No. Um, no, it's going to remind them of the 70s and shit, of the quality of then, and they're going to be like, oh, it's a little bit better than it used than I remember. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, are we seeing, because what, this article stated they are estimating that Florida will make about $1.6 Are there any other states that are estimating they're going to reach that? Los Angeles. Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't think Florida can be a, an easy top three, top five, just because the sheer size of the state? I, I said Florida, Florida, big I, state. I said Florida would be number three. I said Florida would be number three. You, New York? I don't know. With the slow rollout of New York, I think Florida could surpass it. No, well, well. Let me tell. You, if we're talking about legal sales, then yes, you're 100 percent right, Gretchen. Florida has already surpassed it, okay? Because with only four stores open in all of New York, oh my God, they're doing such crazy numbers out there. Well, do you think Ron DeSantis will get behind it if they, uh, if, if right off the bat they say no? If Ron DeSantis is charging a million dollars to renew your license. He is 100 percent going to get get with the swing of things. Say no social equity. You guys mentioned it. No cannabis. No, no, no socialist equity. Stay woke. Go broke. You know what it is. We'll see. I, I, I don't think uh, your pal Ron is going to jump on board as easily as you think he will. Uh, but in other side news, uh, next door to D.C., Delaware, has passed recreational cannabis. Now it has to go to the governor's desk. Will he sign it? The man doesn't like it. Who knows? Isn't that your story it's for in the gummy. Isn't that your yeah, story for tomorrow? No, what? it'll be my story if the man signs it or vetoes it. We'll maybe see. Joe Biden will. Maybe Joe Biden will co-sign. I just don't want us to forget about our little our little neighbor. Maybe he'll have a. Uh, maybe he'll have Hunter fill in for him for the signing. Yeah. All right, I mean, move along. Come on, let's get to an ad or a disclaimer oh, or something. Oh, We'll be right back. Keep it moving. Yes. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com.
The thoughts, opinions, and shade thrown at Hyatt on Hyatt Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or its authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary responsibility relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement. I don't know if on this stage, can you guys hear me on Clubhouse at least? Yeah, yep. internet drive-bys. You guys hear me on Clubhouse, though? Folks? Hear you fine. Yeah. If you are an easily offended person, like Jason Beck, leave. I'm offended. <laughs> Snowflake. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Coming up next. That's right. We have the man, the Mr. Attorney who loves to do some time in the feds and help all of his pen pals out with all of their with all of their legal advice. That's right. It is Mr. Dale Schaefer. No applause, just money. Okay. Um, Jason <laughs> asked me to take a get look it, at a uh, case that got filed on Monday. And so I did. And, and it's what I describe as a typical shit sandwich in California cannabis. A guy named Christopher Lynch, who was a, a well-known uh, cannabis breeder in the industry, had developed strains, um, also had Parkinson's disease, went into negotiations with a, a, a company called Node Labs, um, to buy his company, Compound Genetics. Okay, so we have sort of this rolling theme of somebody asks me something, we negotiate. I get a letter of intent, we get a term sheet. Next, thing you know, I sign a contract, and then somebody sneaks in on me a new contract for me to sign, and I didn't read it. Okay, so that's what we got here. Christopher signed up to sell Genetics Labs. Uh, his gen, uh, compound genetics to node for a price, 100400 in equity. He got a 100K for every half million they sold, 200K for every million they sold in seeds, 15000 per seed harvest. Plus, he was going to be employed for 100000 a year. Now, these are some of the details. And as this thing's rolling out, I'm thinking of all the cases I've handled where um, somebody was – uh, I don't, the word gullible might be too nice a word. People believe shit they're told. Don't read their contracts. Don't bring an attorney into this. Don't try to negotiate anything. And the next thing you know, there's, if I'm reading between the lines here, there was somewhat of a hostile takeover of node labs and compound genetics by a couple of people. One of them is Felipe Ricalde, who um, became the CEO of compound and Lauren Avinius, who became the CEO of Node Labs. And it just, it becomes a shit show after that. Um, his Parkinson's disease got worse. He needed some accommodations. So these people didn't want to talk to him about it. They weren't going to give him accommodations. And in California, you hadn't heard, we have some regulations here that protect workers, especially if you're disabled. And if you fire someone, you got to pay them what you owe them. So 
what happened, he, he got tired of dealing with them. He filed the lawsuit on uh, Monday, the 27th. And this is hard. The heart of it is you discriminated against me because I have a disability. You fired me without paying me off. But a bigger picture here is you breached the contract. You defame me. They said not only did he have Parkinson's, which he did have, which is an invasion of privacy, unless he tells them they can say that. They said he had schizophrenia. They said he had resigned, doesn't work. Or they told people he had stole genetics. So we have what I call a classic shit sandwich. So what this is, is this is just a complaint. These are allegations by Christopher Lynch. It's not a verified complaint. So it's not a penalty of perjury. But I've heard this so often in the industry, it, it, it sounds like I'm listening to the Beatles album. You know, it's like, I've heard this so many times before, shit. And my lesson for people is that if you're going to enter in negotiations and you have valuable intellectual property, which you did here, it behooves you to find an attorney that you can, it's competent, you can trust. I know it sounds like an oxymoron. A lot of knucklehead attorneys, you can't trust them out there. Find one you, you can trust to read, negotiate, make sure you're signing what you understand you're signing, and then to be there uh, to stand behind you when things start going south. So with that, let's throw it out to the group. And uh, um, <clears throat> okay, we've got a that's not a HIPAA violation. Okay, well, that, that takes us in directions I think that, <laughs> you know, is not the point of this story. Th this guy had a valuable asset he sold it. And at the end of the day, um, it turns out he signed a contract without reading what's changed the material terms. He didn't know he'd signed that for a year and a half. And I'm wondering how in the fuck do you not know that you signed a contract that changed material terms? He didn't ask for a copy. Someone said, here, read it on my phone. It's signed by DocuSign. And oh, trust me, this is the same thing we had before. Jesus, come on, man. You can't trust anybody in this industry. And I'm not disparaging anybody's character. I'm disparaging everybody's character. Don't trust a lion in this industry for one second. Make sure you verify what Reagan said. Trust, but verify. So there we go. Throw it out to the group. Thank you, Dale. It's part of business. If you're, if you're investing a decent amount of money, you should, you should make sure that you trust all people in your camp and trust nobody across the table to a football game with basketball shorts on, get your knees take out. Dale, can you please explain to people why this is not a HIPAA violation? <clears throat> well, these are not medical providers, As just to start with. You've got to fall into a But it's medical cannabis. Just No, but medical cannabis is not a provider. That's a That goes way back, okay? You've got to be a medical provider and be gathering medical information as a medical provider. Cannabis in California isn't even a plant. OK, and it's it's not considered to be much of anything, certainly doesn't fall in the hippocamp. Now, it gets complicated. Um, but I think the bigger story here is that if you have employees that are disabled, you have to make accommodations for them or you've got to show why your accommodations aren't reasonable. OK, um, it's just it gets very complicated. And I deal with so many people who are great at growing weed and running it up and down the highway and selling it in trap shops. But when you got to have a management and control group that can get along, these guys are like in a bar fight every day. And yeah. it's at the heart of this. You've got to know your control group. You've got to have an ethos of your company and you got to know the pathology of your control group. And some of these guys are just, you know, they're, they're not, 
well tethered to reality. They are they're rule breakers to start with. And if you can't get people to to cooperate in the control group, you're going to end up with just a disaster, just a disaster. And this I mean, this this whole thing is one one big shit sandwich. I totally agree with you, Phil. Um, just 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 all the way around. And um, it's going to be interesting to see, um, for one, uh, Felipe and Lauren's counterclaims. Right. Because they still have to file that. Correct. Dale, they still have to respond to this. Well, they have an opportunity. We're in the pleading stage now. They can they can file an answer or they can try to demur. We, I mean, we'll I don't want to get too technical here. They can say, so what? Or they can answer. There's some choices here. But, yeah, this is the pleading stage. And when we get an answer back, perhaps we'll um, we'll chat about what they have to say. <clears throat> and uh, we definitely got to keep uh, following this case because this is this is like you said, one big shit sandwich and the people definitely want to know what's going on with this case for sure. Well, and one of the themes going across the country is every state has laws to protect workers and disabilities, some um, better than others, some more onerous than others. And if you're going to run a business in a state where you're going to have employees, you better have someone who understands HR. And all of us on this show here, we demonstrated this morning in our conversations, we are HR fucking nightmares, okay? You need to have someone who's watching out over your employees and be there. If you're going to fire somebody, I, I used to get an employment attorney on the phone before we even thought about firing somebody. Tell us what I have to do before I show them the door. Otherwise, you're going to get sued for labor code violations and disability violations. I mean, this lady said she was she was emotionally disturbed and needed her dog at work. You know, it's like, OK, what else you got to do? You got to be careful of this stuff because this is not just you know, selling weed. That's what trap shops do. Okay. This is running a business. And with employees, you got to be careful. You got to pay all your taxes, FICA, social security. You got to make sure you follow all your labor codes, disability acts. My God, it's just, it's, it's real. That's why trap shops do so well. I thought HR was your hourly rate. Yeah. Well, that's why you're a fucking HR nightmare, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back, everybody. Thank you. Our next correspondent is a multi-talented CMO of Event High and co-host of the and founder of the revolutionary professional women in cannabis networking series, making waves throughout the industry. Blunt brunch. Come to the stage next. It's one of the hottest names in the game. Hi, everyone. So Rico, right now, this is the perfect time to be living in Arizona with this weather. I've been wearing tank tops and everything. I'm not dealing with that rain. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Got to throw that in there today. (laughs) There's some good to move in here. Better taxes. Today's article is Wu Tang Clan's rappers New Jersey Cannabis Lounge rejected after church church's objections. So on Monday night, Newark's Central Planning Board denied a request by Wu-Tang Clan member Raquan to open a cannabis lounge near the Prudential uh, Center Arena. 
the application submitted by Raquan's company, Hastoria, was rejected after church elders protested and one board member complained that the proposed design was offensive. Despite the lawyer for Hastoria warning the board that the plan met zoning requirements and a denial could lead to a successful court appeal, board members were not deterred from rejecting the application. During the Zoom meeting, representatives from Hashtoria attempted to alleviate concerns about potential problems, such as lines forming outside the proposed location, parking issues, and customers leaving the lounge under the influence. However, the objections of the clergy and parishioners um, added to these worries. Reverend Doris Glaspie, a pastor, at the old First Presbyterian Church on Broad Street across from the proposed lounge requested that Historia open uh, the lounge somewhere else as the location was in the heart of Newark. Bessie Lee Watts, a church elder, argued that this kind of issue was not helpful and productive to the city of Newark, citing the church's history as the founder of Newark. Um, now, it also states, you know, while recreational cannabis dispensaries began opening in New Jersey last year, the State Cannabis Regulatory Commission recently introduced rules for on-site consumption areas or lounges. So Historia, whose first lounge is located in Astoria, Oregon, aimed to be one of the first establishments in New Jersey to provide customers with the opportunity to buy and consume cannabis. Um, again, however, the Central Planning Board rejected Historia's site plan application. Uh, Historia's main representative, Joss Sanderland, assured the board that the dispensary and lounge would be safe and orderly with no active with no activity outside, no advertising of the no advertising of the nature of the business inside, and the dispensary would be on the ground floor, while the consumption lounge offices and inventory would be on the upper floors. Um, so, by law, consumption areas must be in the same building as the dispensary over there. Um, it also explained the lounge would obviously only serve age twenty one and older, and would be equipped with cameras, uh, except. In the bathrooms, they, they notated that in the article. Um, despite assurances for, from Historia's representatives, the board remained unconvinced. The application was rejected when Vice Chair Kalina Witcher, presiding over the hearing, took offense at a rendering of the lounge's facade, which featured a, a triptych. Uh, if I'm saying that correctly, of a woman's lips and tongue smoking a joint. Although officials uh, referred to the image as a placeholder art to show the display of local artwork in the front window, Witcher found the design offensive. After requ requesting the applications to return on April 24th with the cleaned up rendering and additional testimony, the board member made a motion to deny the application, which Witcher second. The final vote was unclear, but the board's attorney, Daniel Betch, ultimately declared that the application is denied. So with that being said, this is Adelia reporting live for the Hyatt 9 News Hour. I would love to hear from my fellow correspondents on the rejection of this Wu-Tang-owned cannabis lounge. What was Daniel's last name, Adelia? <laughs> Betch. How do you spell that? Or Beck. Maybe it's Beck. Sorry. I don't, I don't think so. B-E-C-H-T. Beck? B-E-C-H-T. Beck. Beck, yeah. Daniel's going to be a Betch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad. As a, as a Wu-Tang fan, it makes me sad, but um, I mean... Hold on, Rico. Historic don't, you think, don't you think historic. this is this is like uh, when uh, when having a rapper on your board goes bad? Don't you think this no. is a perfect example of that? No, I do. I uh, do. Uh, I'm willing uh, to bet that this no. church portrayed the fact that he was part of this license, and they're going to have all these rappers over there, and it's going to be all of these rappers smoking all of these blunts all the time, and da 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 da, and it's going to be like a New Jersey liquor store outside. And that's what they're imagining, and that's what they're protesting against, because they're all NIMBYs. 
No, no you have, you have a historic church with, with with a lot more clout than most in the community, and and they're pulling rank. I don't know. It's, it's NIMBYism. It's NIMBYism, bro. I, I have to face this. I've got several neighborhood groups. If you're inside of a city, the church is the first one that you have to go talk to and try to massage them and make sure they're not going to object. But even out in the country, I've got road associations. We don't want you here. Okay. And it, it always brings up that. What about the children? Yeah. Fuck yep. your kids. If your yeah, kids are smoking exactly. weed, it ain't our problem. Okay. Keep an eye on your kids. Keep them babies out the street, Brenda. But in, I mean, in, in my, I got one in the country where my clients are white dudes. Okay. One of them's from New York. Okay. And they're complaining, not because they're black or they're rappers, but because we don't want you here. And, and I was in the city where my clients were um, from uh, South Asia. They were Indian. They got all kinds of shit about that. Oh, you're Sikh. You're something else from the church. This is all about nimbyism. It's racist, number one, to bring it up like that. And I actually was in the joint with a guy from the Wu-Tang group. So it, I, I, I enjoy him. He converted to Islam. We had a lot of discussions about that. And, but I digress. I, I, that's a racist comment. But out in the country where everyone's white, it's like they find something else to complain about. Okay. It's because they don't want you here. Oh, we're all for weed, but just not up here. Okay. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's nimbyism. Exactly. So why trap shops do so well. Very true. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I completely disagree. Um, uh, yeah. The the community doesn't want it. They voted for it. That's what your representatives are there for. Uh, they went through the process. I'm sorry that the town council, whoever decided on this, decided that they cared more about this old historic church than they cared about this one lounge. Uh, it's their prerogative to do it. They should have well, to pay taxes maybe. if they want an opinion. Oh. That's my. <laughs> oh, okay. Adelia, do they have an alternate uh, location mapped out? Um, it didn't say in the article i'm not too sure it said that they feel sure. confident they're going to win a lawsuit i mean where does that stand do you think they'll mm -hmm. do you think they have a chance of, of overturning this through a lawsuit well it all depends on the the laws and regulations in the area and that includes local ordinances for zoning and things like that because out in california we have these sensitive areas and you've got to know where they are what they are and go talk to them ahead of time because if they object they could kill your project on a political basis. We also have distances from these. So you, if you're inside a, um, a zone and you want a variance, then this one becomes problematic. Okay, but there are rules about being arbitrary and capricious. Okay, you well, can't just decide. Well, I don't like the who you are. We're not going to do this when they Dale, might let it go forward someplace else. Dale, you're part of the issue here, I think, with this uh, particular lounge, as I'm rereading the article, is appears that they're also trying to put this in a historic district. There are lots of rules and laws pertaining to historic districts um, where you have to, it seems as if they were willing to get more on board if they had changed the lounge to reflect those laws and these folks did not want to do that. So, Raekwon, sorry, move historic. along. That's how historic districts work. Are, they, are you well, saying that Raekwon's not historic? I'm saying Raekwon is not from 1660. Dude, Ray yeah, Quan, what did it look like? Ray it, Ray it, I think they would have had a much better shot if they had tried to uh, be a part of uh, of the rules and follow what the the zoning was for this space. They would have just I, fell in line. Really, yeah, I really hope that the community rallies around this and they find a new location uh, really, really soon because the hash story seemed like it was an awesome idea and I don't want this to die. So I really, really hope that um, either they win the appeal or they, they find a new location quick because I think it'd be great for the city. Are you saying you think it's, it's like moving to the Senate? It's just going to die? 
Senate Appropriations Committee goes yep. to die. Mm-hmm. Where they all go to die. That's right. Well, coming up next and landing this plane, we have the great redneck himself. That's right. In the great red state of Texas, Mr. Stone Slade, who loves to smoke Delta 8 on the regular and then drive to Oklahoma to get his weed. That's right. This is my guy, Mr. Stone Slade. Jason, Beck, your fake news gets thicker every time you, allegedly. you, you do my thing. Allegedly. You should, you should see Listen, I know where my I know where my cannabis comes from. It comes from my friends at, at, at Fino, Los Angeles, and SoCal Bank. So uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I know where my shit comes from. I don't smoke Delta 8. Anyway, today, my story comes from Rachel Gordon from Green State. And I know it, it, it's not quite April yet, but 420 is technically right around the corner, right? Uh, it's never too early to talk about one of our favorite stoner holidays. Besides getting extra lit with your friends and scoring some sweet deals at dispensaries this 420, let's all try to do a little something to help normalize cannabis because normalization is the real key here. The term itself means to take something from the fringe and bring it into the vernacular and mind of a populace, thus making it normal and common which is why education and normalization are two of the biggest keys to cannabis legalization. And well, just about anything that's been wrongly classified or demonized for decades, this is never an easy task, which is evident when you see how we're still trying to normalize things like women's rights and as well as equality for our black brothers and sisters in this country. Lovey Yancey was born in 1912 in a small town in Texas called Bastrop, located about 40 miles from where I am here in Austin. This young black entrepreneur moved her newborn daughter to Los Angeles in 1931 And in 1947, at the age of 35, she opened what would become one of California's most iconic fast food chains, Fat Burger, located in South Central Los Angeles. Lovey was a true trailblazer, and decades later, entrepreneurs worldwide are still using her blueprint as inspiration to create their own businesses. She lived for 96 years and was able to watch her little burger stand become the fast food franchise giant it is today. But I bet she never imagined that one day Fat Burger would be helping break more barriers of normalization, this time for cannabis. I'm sure some of you remember last year when the company turned its signature hand-scooped strawberry milkshake into a cannabis cultivar in a paid partnership with high-end cannabis brand Wonderbret. Fat Burger Strawberry Milkshake live resin cartridges, flour, and fruit chews were offered at Wonderbret dispensaries on 420, leading to a flurry of traffic. And the rush- restaurant also offered its OG Fat Burger for the festive price of 420 throughout April. We'll get ready because this year the iconic California f- fast food chain is getting into the pot game once again. The company announced yesterday that it's partnering with well-known edibles brand Kiva to bring cannabis ketchup to hungry consumers across Los Angeles. Kiva Fat Burger Ketchup will contain 10 milligrams of THC per packet, providing the perfect candiment to elevate the classic burger and fries experience. And the product will be available exclusively at a couple of participating dispensaries locations in LA while supplies last. The collaboration is yet another example of mainstream America dipping its toes and fries into the cannabis space as the number of people integrating the plant into their everyday lives continues to climb. Christy Palmer, co-founder of Kiva Confection, said in a press conference sent to Green State, we're thrilled to continue pioneering innovation, uh, yet everyday products that pave the way for cannabis normalization. We can't think of a better partner for this than our favorite West Coast burger chain. What a better way for cannabis fans to celebrate 420 than with a delicious elevated munchies meal and for the candy curious to take their first dip into cannabis one fry at a time. Taylor Fisher, Vice President of Marketing for Fatburger, added, every year we look to bring our own special flavor to the 420 holiday. Our special sauce will make sure to take the munchie game to a higher level. 
I'm all in on this one, man. Bravo to Fatburger. This was a perfect example of main, a mainstream company doing its part for cannabis uh, normalization. Uh, move on over in and out Burger. You can keep your animal style. I'll take a King Burger with skinny fries and six ketchups, please. And if anybody else wants anything, Jason Beck is picking up the tab. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the Hyatt 9 News Hour. I mean, is this Delta 8 ketchup stone? It's in L.A., bro. What? Listen, keep your fucking <laughs> Delta 8 and shut up your fucking ass. I'm a 52-year-old man who's been smoking weed since I was 13, bro. How is it isn't licensed to sell weed, so how are they going to sell They're it? They're not. It's yeah. being sold. So it's the Kiva product being sold. I didn't want to give – I mean, I can give them. I didn't want to give the dispensary names. Artist Tree and Sweet Flower Dispensaries are, are where you can pick up your ketchup – Seems kind of like an inconvenience to get your burger from Fatburger. You know, I'm, I'm kind of you know, torn, I'm torn on this one. You should have partnered with the consumption lounge for this. I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn on this one because um, uh, Fatburger is a black-owned company. I think they should have uh, partnered with Saucy, a homegirl, Tess, out here. She has a great product. And she's from Texas, too. She's, a, she's got a great condiment product. she got great barbecue sauce, ketchup, and all that shit. This is, this, this is a stupid idea. Okay. <laughs> okay. You have to go into one of these stores and buy your ketchup packs and then go to Fat Burger. That is asking people to do way too much for nothing. Okay. If they're smart, they'll build an activation. For a nothing burger. Okay. No. All right. Listen, I mean, this is a huge opportunity. Let me tell you something. If they wanted to do this right, they would have done this through the consumption lounge. Okay. <laughs> And then they would have sold the, the, the stuff and then had the food brought over and then you would have applied the ketchup sauce. That's how this would have been a winning thing. But having to go to a dispensary and then go to a fat burger, no one's going to do this. This is going to be a total flop. Well, if they, they, can, they can partner with uh, the intermediate delivery service. There you and, go. Um, and, and, and now that, um, um, what is it? Uh, oh, so all the delivery services are going to be pulling up the fat burger? Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, you, you can Stop combine it. the orders. They already do. Yeah, you can combine the orders. Oh, they don't. No, they don't. I like that. They don't. Maybe you talk to Jason and Rico for some better marketing ideas, I guess. But yeah, this I'll take it. the ketchup. Give me six ketchups, one fat burger. I'm good it's, for a little bit. I mean, I they didn't make any relish. Did water burger, though? They didn't make any relish with this? I don't fuck with a water burger. That's a, that is a farce, Texans. That's a shitty hamburger, okay? Stop stop getting on the Whataburger train. It's a terrible hamburger. All right. Yeah, I'm inspired. I'm with Gretchen Hines for life. If they wanted to do this kind of thing, they should have partnered with Hines instead of partnering with Fatburger. No. Just saying. Oh, maybe maybe Hines wasn't picking up the phone, man. They, should, they could have done a mustard, too. Go Pittsburgh. Hines for life. Yeah. Honey, right above my head. Right above and my head. If y'all can't mustard. see it, H.J. Hines. That's right. Oh, uh, oh my God. Pittsburgh's finest. Well, I think it's a good idea. Like I said, it's a it's a mainstream company helping normalize cannabis. I'm in. I'm all in. We need to see more of that happening around the country. Oh, I'm, I'm with you on the overall idea there, Slade. All right, so we're at the top of the hour. Thank you all out there for tuning in with us for another episode of High 9 News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live audience members and online supporters tuning in and giving us the feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective, adding your respective opinions to the conversation as well. And to our production team, wonderful Jaja Simone holding things down over over there in Clubhouse. Get him. Okay. Get him. And, 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 and,
And uh, to Sam you haters is just out proclaiming there. her love for Heinz. That's all. Oh yes, it is. And uh, to the haters out there, go to church in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> it is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023, and the show is over. You've been blessed with today's top industry headlines. We hope it was enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. My name is Regal Lamit, the dopest dad on the street, signing off. And please remember, when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Uh, Stone Slay, what you got for us, man? Take us out, man. Message for the people. It was Wednesday, guys. Shit, I'm used to being on Fridays. I was about to give a weekend message. Hey, it's hump day, people. Let's go. We're on the downward train for the weekend. I love you guys. I love everybody. Stay away from the Delta 8. If you get any, drop it off at Jason's house. He uh, he loves that shit, apparently. But anyway, take it easy. Yes. I love to give it away to homeless people.